Well, let me ask you today, how many of you here this morning have ever had the experience where someone has maybe a little sheepishly come up to you and said, um, you have something from lunch still stuck in your teeth. Anybody? Yeah. Or you're doing a presentation at work and at a break, somebody comes up and says, oh, your fly's down. Right? Right? Those are humbling moments, aren't they? Those are embarrassing moments. But aren't they good to know? They're important things to know that someone would actually have the courage to come and tell you these things. And it's good information as long as you do something about it. Right? Uh, you wouldn't just brush that off and say, oh, well, no big deal, right? You would deal with it, wouldn't you? How many of you have been told something like that at some point? Has someone had the courage to approach you with stuff like that? Have you ever had the courage to go to someone else and say something like that? Hey, uh, this might be awkward, but it's less awkward than not telling you. So here's what I'm going to do. Have you had the courage to do that? How many of you have ever heard this? Um, we need to talk for a minute. Because your heart is showing and it isn't good. Has anybody ever had the courage to say that to you? Would you do anything about that or would you say, well, we'll just let it go? Have you ever had the courage to come to a brother or sister and say, we need to talk. Your heart is showing and there's a problem here. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus does that twice. He points something out and it can be kind of a, an embarrassing thing, a humbling thing that he points out so directly, a couple of things that are going on and yet it's only good information if we take it and we do something with it, right? We come in our series in Matthew to, to chapter 12 this morning, and I'd invite you to bow in prayer with me as we uh, begin our time uh, in God's word. Father, we love you and we are grateful that you are meeting right here with us right now this morning. We are thankful for your word and we need what you have to say to us. So we ask that you would just humble us in your presence. Help us to hear what it is you are saying to us individually and to us as a church family. Help us to take it. Help us to, to deal with it and to move forward with it. We ask that the end result would bring glory to your name. We surrender to this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at Matthew 12 this morning, I said to Pastor Andy at one point this week, I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in Matthew chapter 12. We could be here till Tuesday. Don't worry. All right. There's a lot going on there. As we come to Matthew chapter 12, we could take our time this morning to point out from verse 2 that the Pharisees go on the attack against Jesus and his disciples. 
And that as we ended chapter 11 last week, and Jesus looked around and he said, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That now Matthew shows the exact opposite of that because he shows that Jesus is the one offering rest. And then he goes right into the Pharisees coming up and trying to put their heavy burden on Jesus and his disciples. And they come and they attack him because in their view he he may have violated one of their rules regarding the Sabbath. They're trying to place their burden on Jesus and his disciples. We could take some time to pursue that this morning. Or we could look at verses 6 and 7, verses 41 and 42, and see that Jesus is letting us know that he's greater than the law, he's greater than the temple, he's greater than Jonah, he's greater than Solomon, and yet they want to focus on all these other things and totally miss the fact that Jesus is standing right there. We could take time for that. But we could take time to look at verse 10 and see that the, the Pharisees were told were looking Not listening to see what Jesus had to say. They were looking for a reason to accuse him. An excuse to accuse him of violating a rule of some kind. And so they used this man's suffering to to justify themselves and try and trap Jesus into violating one of their standards. Well, you look at verse 14 and see that Because Jesus shut them down and did what was right and what was merciful and gracious in the life of this man, they finally decided that they would start to plot to ultimately destroy Jesus, to kill him. They started making their plans how they would get rid of him. They were completely committed now to rejecting Jesus, to fighting Jesus and destroying him. Or we could park ourselves in verse 23 and 24 and see that when the people were we're finally starting to understand who Jesus is, that he is the promised suffering, saving servant from Isaiah, that he is that one. And they started asking themselves, is it possible this is he? That the Pharisees go into panic mode and say, we are really losing these people. And so they make the ultimate accusation against Jesus. They accuse him of being a servant of and being empowered by Satan himself. And they level that charge at Jesus and they come at him full force. And in doing this, they commit the unpardonable sin as as it's laid out for us in verses 31 and 32. By taking Jesus' work in, in exorcisms, his power and authority over the demons, and crediting Satan instead of God, they had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. That despite all the evidence pointing to who Jesus is, they had deliberately chosen to reject Jesus, and they refused to acknowledge the presence and power of God right there in and with him. We could spend our time looking at those details this morning. But for the sake of time, and because as as I studied this chapter and prayed through this this week, Lord, what is it from Matthew 12 that you want me to take away this time? That you want this church family to take away this time? What is it you have for us today in Matthew 12? My heart kept being drawn back to two specific things in this passage. Things for us to consider individually and as a church family going forward. Two questions came to mind. And, and there are two questions that come to mind at this time of year. Uh, how many people, I'm, we're going to walk over here now, how many people are glad that school's winding down? 
Right? Yeah. Okay. The front few rows, they're right on board. Wow. Okay. Teachers and things are putting their hands up. Just a minute now. All right. You're glad the school's winding down. Two questions come to mind sometimes. As you start to get near the end of the school year, now, suddenly in February and March, you're not too worried about marks. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay? But then suddenly report cards are coming. The end of the year is drawing close. And now you start thinking, ah, I wonder how I'm kind of doing here. (laughs) And they start handing things back that they've been marking that you handed in. And you ask yourself, I wonder how I did on that assignment. I wonder how I did on that assignment and what kind of standing that puts me in. And then everything for the last week and a half, everything a teacher says, there's some kid in the class that will put up their hand and say, um, will this be on the exam? Right? That's kind of what we want to know. And we're letting the teacher know that there's only so much we're willing to take in right now. And if, if it means marks, then we'll focus on that. How did I do on the assignment? And will this be on the final exam? These two questions keep coming to my mind as I come to Matthew chapter 12. So let's look at these. Let's look first at, at a failed assignment. So join me in Matthew 12 verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? They're working on the Sabbath day. Yes, but they have to or no one else can come for worship. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You're talking to the Sabbath about the Lord of the Sabbath. You're telling the one who created the Sabbath how he ought to go about using it. That is a problem. But the issue here is this. Jesus says in verse 7, If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have made this mistake. The problem is they didn't know what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And so they did make that mistake. The question is, why didn't they know that? Why didn't they know that? You see, they were supposed to be the spiritual leaders, the teachers in Israel. They were supposed to know these things. They studied the law and the prophets. They were to know what these meant. And Jesus had already given them this assignment. Remember back in chapter 9, uh, verse 12, they were complaining that he had the nerve, the nerve to sit with tax collectors and sinners to have dinner. Can you imagine? And Jesus said to them, when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He'd already told them, go and learn what this means. 
And instead, they just kept adding to their list of things they were going to try to accuse Jesus of. They weren't listening to what he had to say. He gave them that assignment. Go and research this. If you really want to know what's going on here, do some digging. Go back to the law. Go back to the prophets and find this out. But they failed to do so. And as a result, once again, they failed that assignment. And they come attacking Jesus and his disciples for breaking one of their rules. And Jesus said, you still just don't get it. It would be awful for us to make that same mistake. So if we turn back to Hosea chapter 6, we find a time in, in the history of God's people when through his prophet he comes and he lists a number of things that are going wrong. And he lists a number of things that he's accusing them of and saying, you need to deal with this. Turn this around. Come on. Get this right. And he talks about the judgment he had sent. And he said, this is why. In verse 6 of Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God or acknowledging God rather than burnt offerings. What was he saying through the prophet? He was saying, you are trying to put on a good spiritual show out here for everybody to see. And you can show up at the temple or you can show up at the synagogue and you can walk through your routines and your rituals and everybody else thinks, wow, you're doing just fine. But when I look, I look straight to the heart and I'm not seeing what I need to see there. Your hearts are far from me. This is just for show. That's what he was saying. And Jesus told the Pharisees in the first century, you need to go back and dig into that. You need to park there, meditate on it, chew that over for a while. Because this is what you're guilty of so many generations later. The prophet has already come and, and, and presented you with this, and yet you continue to make that same mistake. God is saying in Hosea 6, and Jesus is saying in Matthew 12, it's not about external formalities, it's about internal realities. It's a big difference. It's not about the external formalities. It's about the internal realities. It's not about walking through rituals and putting on a show and making sure you look at least better than someone else in church today. It's about receiving God's mercy and grace. And having received his mercy and grace, then truly understanding Mercy and grace. And then having a heart that is prompted to action to go out and share mercy and grace. Not a clipboard with your specific list of rules. That's what it's about. He says here in this verse in, in Hosea 6, he also says, I, I, I would rather have the knowledge of God or acknowledging me than burnt offerings. You're coming to me and bringing sacrifices and look at the way you're treating each other, he said. You're coming to me and bringing these formal, these formal um, offerings and sacrifices and things, but your heart is far from me. I would far rather have you acknowledge me as God. Get to know me and surrender to me as God. And allow me to shape your heart and then send your heart to others in a much different way. I would rather have that than this spiritual show you're walking through, jumping through hoops, trying to impress me and trying to impress each other. And God says it's not working. That's why back in Matthew 5, Jesus said, if you come to present your offering, 
Remember when we looked at this? If you come to present your offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, you're in no position to give your offering. Why? Because it's not about a spiritual show. Jesus said, leave your offering there, get out of line, go find him and you go make that right. Then you come back. Then you come back. You see, God's looking past the surface. And this is how and why they were looking for the wrong things in others. They were looking for the surface. You measure up to my rules out here and we'll be just fine. This is how and why they were living for the wrong things themselves. Because they were content to just live on the surface. And put on a good show and say, at least I can impress some people and look better than someone else, so I must be okay. The problem is we can never impress God. We cannot earn his approval. We either stand before him in our own righteousness, or we stand before him in the righteousness of his son Jesus. Those are the only two ways to approach God. And only one of them comes with his acceptance. And it's when we come standing in the righteousness of Jesus. He says, you can't impress God with all these externals. He's looking at your heart. He says, even if you could impress a few people in the process, so what? All you've done is impress a few people. And you haven't dealt with the the issue. So my question for my heart and and for your heart is this. Am I walking through rituals and routines to look good when I come to church or when I sing or when I give or when I serve or when I participate in communion? Am I just doing a surface ritual and routine with my heart far from God? One of the ways Matthew 12 seems to be telling us that we can evaluate that is to say this. Am I here to evaluate others today or to encounter the Savior again with them? Big difference. Am I here to evaluate others today or am I here to simply encounter the Savior together with them? Well, that changes things, doesn't it? Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you guys are supposed to know this stuff. And you failed your assignment because I already told you to go figure out what this means and you won't. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, he said to them. Well, moving on from there, further on in chapter 12, we have this conversation again where the people start to say, maybe this is the son of David. Maybe this is the promised one he was to come. And they start really zeroing in on who Jesus is. And so the Pharisees, as we said, they panic and they accuse Jesus of, of being empowered by Satan himself and serving Satan. And, and this, so this is following right up on this unpardonable sin in what they're saying to Jesus. And right after that, in verse 33, we find out, we find out at least one thing that's on the final exam. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the true tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit, Jesus said. You brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees, those who are supposed to be the religious leaders. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Answer, you can't. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus, is this on the final exam? Yes. What is it exactly we give an answer for? People will give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they speak. Does that make anybody else just shut up and sit down for a minute? Like you read that and you go, Just a second. You mean just the, the careless words that I, before I became a, a believer. Uh, that's not what he said. You mean just a certain list of, of words that we like to say, well, those are evil, but I can say anything else. No, that's not what he said either. He said we'll give an account for every careless word. Wow. That's what Jesus said. And I have to take him seriously because he's Jesus and he said this. And he said, I'm going to give an account for every careless word I utter. That ought to make me think before I speak. It might even make me pray before I speak. He's talking, he's talking about words that cause harm, but also words that accomplish no, no good. Things that I'm just throwing out there. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says this, Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Nothing. But only that which is good that will build others up according to their needs, that it will benefit those who listen. So Paul's version of this is, don't let anything come out of your mouth that will not build someone else up according to their needs and benefit those who listen. Not just those being spoken to, but all who hear. Be careful, because speech comes from the heart. Jesus just said it, out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he says, guard your heart and, and watch your speech. The speech comes from the heart and it impacts the heart of those who listen. So when I'm going to say something, I don't say, well, is this what I think? Or is this what I know? Or is this what I expect? But rather, does this honor God? Will this build others up according to their needs? will it benefit anyone else who's listening? That's a different thought process before I speak. When I was a little guy, running around the house, doing my own thing, preschool or waiting back then, kindergarten was half a day and I was waiting for my shot to go to school. Before lunch every day at 11 o'clock, something magical happened. And that was Sesame Street. And I'll tell you, I'm no surgeon. 
But I learned a couple of things from Sesame Street. And one of the things they taught me, and again, I'm no surgeon, but they taught me in general terms that the foot bone is connected to the ankle bone. And the ankle bone's connected to the leg bone, and the leg bone's connected to the knee bone, and the knee bone's connected to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone's connected to the hip bone, and the hip. You get it? You remember that? And they're just showing you how everything's connected together. Well, you might never learn this in biology class, but you will learn it from the Word of God. The heart is directly connected to the mouth. And if it comes out, it's because it was in there. And he says, our speech comes from the heart and it impacts the heart. And we have got to be careful because we'll give an account for every careless word we speak. And so, I join with David in Psalm 141 where he says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Shut it down before I have to be worried that that was out loud. Show me where that came from. And help me to deal with that. Because I might think that my heart is hidden. I might think that I, I can put on enough of a, a mask for everyone and a disguise out here that my heart really is hidden. You might think that your heart is hidden, that you've gone to great lengths to, to guard it from ever being seen in its true form and reality. But here's the truth this morning. My heart and yours are on display. They're exposed. My heart is showing. And whether I, I live this out in reality or whether it's a Sunday morning formality so that I try to put on a show for a few people and hope that works. My heart is on display. My heart is showing in how I treat others and whether I know and show mercy and grace or whether I step on people in order to make myself look good. My heart is showing it's exposed in how I speak to others, about others, and around others because it's simply out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so as hard as me, we might work to hide our hearts. They're on display. They're on display. And I, I looked at this passage this week. And I looked at this failed exam, this failed assignment rather, and this final exam, and I looked at these and I went, wow, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God, the acknowledging of God rather than burnt offerings. And people will give account for every careless word. And I just had to stop. And I had to park myself back in a passage that Pastor Andy read for us early this morning. The end of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Because both of those things, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, they're they're plainly in his sight. We just want them to be pleasing in his sight, don't we? May the Lord give us something out of Matthew chapter 12 this morning to chew on, to meditate on. May we do well with our assignment and may we be ready for that exam. Amen.